Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey. It's Freddie. We're still in 1985. <laughs> it's a good place to be. It wasn't intentional. I just we still be floundering that around in there right now. Um, we when we first talked about doing the show and and some movies we'd be interested in talking about. This was like right at the top of my list of things when I was putting lists together. And uh, we're going to talk about the movie Gotcha. Yeah. So this is uh, Anthony Edwards. Um, a year removed from Revenge of the Nerds, where he became a household name. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was the guy for a few, you know, years there. Like, starting with, like, what, Fast Times, I think was the first time I remember right. ever seeing him. Right. And that was 82, 81. 82. 82. And then, I mean, God, dude, when, when I first saw Nerds, he was so unrecognizable as that was one of the surf dudes. I right. was like, who is that? Yeah, it's his haircut. He nerded up, dude. Yeah, the, it's well, he the, the Clark Kented him. Yeah, absolutely. And he just the glasses, but, and I was fooled. But it was enough. See, so we have to stop being so critical of Lois Lane. Damn it. Yeah, man, she's not that. She's not the only one who's yeah. fooled by a nice pair of glasses <laughs> and a swept over combed back brill cream hairdo. <laughs> so Gotcha actually reunites uh, uh, Jeff Canoe, who also directed Revenge of the Nerds, right? So they became buddy buddy. Um, I don't think they worked again after this. Uh, it doesn't seem like it. No. I mean, but Canoe would he, he kind of went a, a different like his career after Revenge of the Nerds, and then Gotcha, right? Yeah. So those would be the two. I think those are the most maybe the two most well known films because right. it just seems, you know, I know he did the Tough Guys with Lancaster and. Um, Kurt, and my, and Kurt my Douglas, Kurt Douglas, Kurt Douglas, and then my Kurt Russell's another guy. My 1980s crush, Darlan Flugel, <laughs> um, who just happened to be in it. But yeah, I guess this would be the last pairing of Edwards and Canoe. And then, that's a nice one-two punch, though. Have Revenge yeah. of the Nerds and oh, yeah, man. And this. But it was interesting about this, and uh, it's a PG-13 movie. Yes. And as we discussed with the uh, my science project, it's. The ratings are a little nebulous at this time. Yeah, man. There's a, certainly you could get away with certain things that you could never in a million years get away with now. Or even like by the end of the 80s, there was just, you know, PG-13 had its rules. But I think maybe they were still trying to figure it out. There is some, uh, some nudity in this one. It's yeah. very brief. There's some side boob. There's some side boob and there's but some there, front boob. There, there's some front <laughs> boob and... Uh, it's not anything uh, of a sexual nature because, again, when we get to that point, she, the Linda Fiorentino character who plays the love interest in this, she is uh, a little strip searched. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. So we it, always see the tail end of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing about her is like there's this point like in 1985 where she's like this and Vision Quest and she's like. So she's like every 15-year-old boy's older girl dream. Yes. And you're like, oh, yeah. She, yeah, she definitely had one of those. She was young enough to where, where if you were a teenage boy, you could still, like, oh. she's not out of reach. Right. She was probably, what, 26, 27? Yeah, and she this. makes she makes the same play in this with Anthony Edwards' character, who's probably 18 in it. Yeah. Yeah, so she's 24, he's 18 or something like that in the movie, and... uh so you're like oh, 24. I'm 15. I'm right. 16. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could do it. I could. Totally. That's totally good. I wouldn't call the police on you. No, never. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's just man. Yeah, she was totally like smoking this movie. There yeah. was a. She pops up a lot. We're going to talk about her in other episodes because I know that we're going to we're going to at some point we're going to we're gonna, I'm going to force you to watch Vision Quest. Force and, me. Uh, <laughs> and we have to watch maybe After Hours. 
because she's great in after. Oh, she's I love after. So hours. weird in after hours. Everything. Kiki and Horst. Dude, I love. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to get into after hours now. We'll do it later. Yeah, we'll do um, it later. So, uh, so Anthony Edwards is this kid in, in, at a university, and the whole movie opens up in a in a really funny way because we know nothing about who anybody is. There's no dialogue at this point. No, it just opens up at a university of some kind. And uh, you just see Anthony Edwards following somebody. He's stalking somebody. You don't know what's going on. And he's just walking along, and the person behind him starts recognizing that something's going on. And he starts running. And then Anthony Edwards and pursues him and starts running after him. Right. We have no idea what's going on. And then somewhere along the way, we see Anthony Edwards pull out a gun. We're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, man? The nerd's gone loco. He's got a gun. Right, I was like, "What? Are, what are we? What are we watching again?" This is when we when I just watching it. I was thinking, "Oh my god, dude, you would ne- they would never even make this movie today." Because if you pull out a gun, on and they, these guns look real, they don't have orange bumpers on them. Uh, you know, somebody would probably you know secure security would oh man shoot you dead. Dude, you couldn't pull a Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino and pull out a finger pistol and not get. You know, yeah, absolutely. Shot, you not know, get a, a tased or something. But yeah, I mean, the, the openings, the opening is very clever. I mean, it's because it, it's sort of set up. I mean, the scores, you know, it's Bill Conti. Which <laughs> it, says it all. Uh, you know, and it, it's, it's got that very uh, for your eyes only James Bondy kind of vibe that he was doing in the 80s. Uh, so it was, it was a little confusing as a kid. Like, oh, wow, this is cool. Where's this going? Because I think I just saw it out of... Uh, I don't think I saw a trailer for it. I think I just knew on the, like the poster got me. The poster was cool. And it, I think it said from the director of Revenge of the Nerds. And I had just seen Revenge of the Nerds. Which it was, which is, a, this is the same one where he's standing in a corner in the bed in the foreground and Linda Fiorentino. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. It looks you very. You can't see it, but that's the, yeah, that was the one sheet in the original, the eventual box art for the VHS. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw it based on the poster and then. And there's no reason. And you can't not be into the poster. Right. I mean, it's got, you know, it, it, it has sort of that sort of, uh, you know, from the Hitchcock, cause this film's you know, kind of like a Hitchcock film for I think it's I think it's fifteen year olds. Yeah, I think it's more of a that kind of movie than it is a spy action. Absolutely, thing. it's the wrong man at the in the wrong place at the wrong time kind exactly. of thing. Definitely unique twist. Uh, uh, I should say a unique vibe about it. it. Doesn't feel very a force. You know, kid James Bond kind of thing. It feels a little bit different, and I think that's what's a little smarter. Than it is that. I agree. And I'm surprised at how many people have not seen this movie. Yeah, it's so weird because I would swear, man, like me and all my friends, I I think I saw it, maybe I saw it, I think I saw it in the theater first. It was a double feature with something else because they've, even new movies would get paired, you know, as you can attest to, like they didn't, you know, screen it nine times a day. Sometimes there was another movie that they would just throw them together. You'd have to, um, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd stay. have to, you'd have to look when you get a double feature, you would always, every screen had multiple times. Right. And I remember when Vinge of the Nerds was out, it was being paired with bachelor party. Right. Totally. And yeah. that's like, it's, I feel like again, come to see bachelor party, stay for revenge of the nerds. So that when, kind of again, thing. When you're 15 years old, like I was, you're getting, boobies and boobies and more oh. boobies which is a, it's a lot of boobs it's a lot to take in when you're 15 yeah you know more than a pair that's for sure <laughs> and hot dog the movie is somewhere along the way in the, in the mix of all that yes thank god then there's another one and there's another one we'll be talking about marked um yeah i mean the, the, the opening of this movie it's really clever i mean that whole sort of you know and then bang 
you know, just you, you think he's just shot somebody and then it's, he's like, dude, and he's like staying. It's like, it's just red paint. Boom. He turned around. Oh man, I almost got away. And then what does Mr. Edwards say to him? Gotcha. <laughs> Next time we see him, we, we don't know much more about him at this point. We don't know his name or anything. And along the way, right after he shoots this guy, he runs into some typical 80s. Big hair. Big hair, sweater girl. Yeah. And he says to her, hey, you know what? Hey, you want to wanna go out? I go out. The, the dude is, we already see he's not fearful. He can, he'll pursue whatever he wants of to pursue. He's so fearless with girls, but there's one thing about him. His fearlessness always brings something is something as strong as his fearlessness is his inability to gain a date. Yeah. That's such a weird thing because look him, he's not a bad looking dude. He's actually for, <laughs> he's actually kind of hip. Like, you know, as far as like 1980s movie nerds go. Right. Um, after, especially after seeing Revenge of the Nerds. Um, and man, this girl just turns on him. Like, I mean, God, dude, what is what, what is her problem? Right. He was he felt so good about himself. He just tagged this guy. We still don't know what's going on with that. And then he turns right around, hits on this girl. We found out two things really quick about him. He's athletic. He's athletic because he can run. He can certainly run. And he's not afraid to talk to girls. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a complete opposite of the character he played a year before. Right. Where in Revenge of the Nerds, he's played somebody that would have, couldn't do either one. Tongue-tied. Tongue Perpetually tongue-tied. Completely unathletic and afraid of girls. Right. So now he's not either one, and he still can't get a date. So girl turns him down, and then there's a whole stretch of montages of him running around, shooting dudes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Because he's, he, he's kind of a badass at gotcha. He's pretty good at it. He's the guy to beat. And I find this to be funny because it's this whole thing. Uh, I don't, I didn't, paintball, like paintball is kind of huge now. I mean, there's, especially out here where we're at, there's, you know, there's all these paintball ranges. But like in 1985, I mean, and these, and the guns that these guys are using, <laughs> these guns, they certainly don't look like the paintball guns now. No. Um, you know, they actually look they look like guns. Definitely look like real guns. And there's a play on a tranquilizer pistol that we see later on. He's he's in some kind of class and at the university where he wants to become a veterinarian. Right. And there's um was it a tiger? Was it's it a tiger? It yeah, a tiger. Sick tiger. And a sick tiger in a cage. And you know his his professor is talking about. Which is very weird. I'm going to say before we, the the tiger, a sick tiger, sick. not a happy tiger. Right. Why is there a sick tiger at this university? Where are they at? Dude, and the cage that the tiger's in, the tiger's paws can fit between. Yeah. I mean. He can maul anybody just walking by. And the teacher's standing with his back to the guy. Yeah. <laughs> to this tiger. Yeah, it's just um, a tiger. Anyway, that, that's just my, I don't want to be nitpicky, but Jesus, dude, that tiger. Your turn. I was like, what the hell is, that tiger's scaring the shit out of me. You see his tranquilizer pistol, and later in the movie, we'll find out there was a little foreshadowing going on. Yes, they're totally gun. setting. They're setting. They're setting something up, and and it's a good sell. And I had to remind myself about it, seeing it again. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 because they bury it immediately with yeah. the virginity joke. Yes, the classic MacGuffin. It's MacGuffin. Speaking of McMuffin, not McMuffin. Speaking of Hitchcock, of Hitch. So, after Jonathan is out of class, do we, no, no, do we know his name's Jonathan yet? Or do we not know it until he runs into his boy Manola? No, well, Manola's in class with him. They're yes. sitting next to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that, yes, I think we know. He's, we, he's been introduced to us as Jonathan. I, yeah. think, he, I think he actually says his name to the girl Does when he, he asks her out. I mm, think so. Maybe. Anyway. 
Anyway, Jonathan. So Jonathan and Manola are walking out of the class together, and they're talking, and we're finding out. That Manola's a ladies' man? <laughs> yes, Manola's a ladies' man. And the two of them are planning on going to Paris for the summer. Yeah, because where else would you go? And then pop over to Spain while they're there. Jonathan's parents don't want him. Jonathan's parents do they're not. They're well, not paying for a trip well, to Paris. Well, Dad, Al, Al played by the awesome Al. Alex Rocco. Yeah, and man. He's fantastic in everything, and he's especially strong in this, too. R.I.P. At that point, I think I only knew Alex from playing Joe's dad on Facts of Life. I knew him from that, and uh, yes, I'm going to say I hadn't seen the Friends of Eddie Coyle at that point. Yeah, um, it's out of out of your scope at that point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who? Who's that? I don't know who that is. And of course, long before seeing any of the Godfather movies and right. knowing him from Absolutely. that as well, or before the Carlin Show. Oh, the Carlin Show. So you know, the mom's okay. The mom's more into him going, and actually, the mom just over just completely vetoes Al Al played by Marla Adams and she's great in it so she just goes by mom I don't think we ever hear her no maybe she Maria no Maria I think is Mar- yeah uh, but I don't know that, do they ever call her Maria no I don't oh, think maybe, so maybe maybe Consuela does no I don't. Rosario <laughs> Rosario dude Consuela <laughs> is a, Consuela's the incredible shrinking woman no, 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 that's Concepcion. Oh, wait, no. She, Consuela is uh, seems like old times I'm mean, having my feet scraped oh jeez <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe the... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Somebody's named Consuela somewhere in the 80s. Maybe it was Elizabeth Pena in uh, Down at Beverly Hills. Possible. Who knows? Uh, but Maria, I don't know that they ever call no, her Maria. I think it's, I think just it's his mom. mom. Just mom. He, his thing is mom, and then she says Al, and he's like, oh. The Nikon, sure. So we jump right from the conversation. It, with the it cuts to an airplane right, landing just, in Paris. Just landing in Paris, and the boys get in a cab, fight, get to their hotel, and just like every other stupid American that doesn't know what they're doing when they're traveling, they get ripped off by the cabbie. Right, of course, because that's that's an old trope. Yes, yeah, it even happens in a Hitchcock. It's four hundred francs. Four hundred. The meter says two hundred. Yes, two hundred from you and two hundred from him. Yes, that's my French. That old player. trip. <laughs> that old trip. And then they just got completely screwed by a cab driver. Which is funny because Manolo is such a, you know, he see. well, I guess that just goes to show he's not as smart as he thinks he is. He, well, he's a ladies' man. Maybe he could have worked over the, the cabbie if she was a lady. Right. He well, was a lady. Have it. Or you know, dude looks like a lady. Um, yeah, Manolo is that guy. You know, Manolo's in, God, he was, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Like Yeah, the same summer that... Uh, Anthony Edwards was in, in Revenge of the Nerds. So they were both kind of coming off of decent hits. Yeah. Young yeah. actors. Um, but yes, he's quite a ladies' man, or so he thinks. As soon as they get their stuff checked in the hotel, they go walking around Paris. And as they're talking, <laughs> some blonde woman across the street catches Manola's eye and ditches his boy. Right. Just, it, just bails on him. And this is one of my favorite things. That he runs up to her and he, he pretends to be a Middle Eastern terrorist. Because <laughs> chicks dig terrorists, man. They dig terrorists. Especially Swedish chicks. Oh, yeah. She's Swedish, we right? We find out later she's Swiss. Swiss. But That's, they dig terrorists. So she, he just totally bails on his boy. And yeah, pretend he pretends to be he is a, a terrorist. Shh. Don't say my name. Not a Everybody word. knows I mean yeah, there's so many bad things. There's my generic. That's good. Accent. I loved it. I mean, I knew exactly who you were. You even <laughs> kind of morphed into Manolo for a moment. Because I was doing my version of him. Yeah, no, it was great. But I loved we, it. We should also point on Manolo, uh, played by the uh, Nick Corey, but he didn't do a whole lot after this. 
Oh, he, he was just, in Wildcats. He was in Wildcats. He did some things here some and there. Miami but, Vice. But he definitely didn't have a uh, a storied career, if you will. A lot, like a lot of guys coming through the mid eighties, like that didn't really. You didn't have that thing. Yeah, I mean, he had a thing that was. Uh, he just didn't do it as well as other people. I agree. You know, I mean, he's kind of doing the same. He wasn't as good as Robert Rustler. There's those guys. And then, you know, he just wasn't the best at doing it. And his shtick kind of got old, I guess. I mean, he's basically in Wildcats playing the same yeah, he's kind of in Gotcha. He's kind of one note. And, you know, even in Nightmare on Elm Street, he was he was the guy accused of killing his girlfriend. He's Tina's boyfriend. And Tina just kills Tina. Well, that's what everybody thinks anyway. But we all know it's Freddy. Damn but it. he, I mean, he had a lot of scenery to chew in Nightmare. And he doesn't have as much in this. Right, they don't give him a whole bunch to do. Because yeah, um, the, the movie's not really about their trip to Paris. It's really about Jonathan. It's a setup. It's a setup for, yeah. and given the location where Jonathan now is going to, he's he's been ditched by his boy. And he goes to a cafe to enjoy a little whatever. A little time in Paris alone. Yeah. He gets his per, per node. I want some per node to the, tell us oh. the waiter, I want some per node. But no. But no. Yeah. <laughs> and how persnickety is that fucking prick? Oh, obviously, whoever wrote this was had a bad experience with some yeah, Paris man, server. For sure. So he's in this cafe and he gets his perno and he's getting schnockered. And there's the whole exchange with my crayon is big and yellow. Yes, because we've we established he doesn't know how to say anything in French. He knows very little. He had he didn't take conversational French. He took, I just took enough French to right. pass these tests you're giving me. Correct. That was before his boy ditches him, but you realize that he can't speak French for anything. Right. So now he's a stranger in a strange land. He's a loner. He's in a young American boy on his own. So now he's hammered. Like a Springsteen song. <laughs> the, the boy's drunk. He's not acting he's, drunk, but yes, he's clearly under the influence of alcohol yes and we see a short bobbed haired Linda oh. Ferratino yeah kind of eyeing him dark beauty and then he sees her looking at him and he takes this as an opportunity because we he's, already established he's fearless when it comes to women but now he's got well now he's got a little liquid courage in him he's, cur- he's, and he's going he's for going, it and he's going for it and she says to him with this eastern Sultry. European voice are you American see how my, all my accents sound the same I you, like American. You American. And then she basically turns him down and uh, he goes back to his chair and sits down in the cafe and she eventually comes over. They do the reverse exchange that mimics what they just did. And right. He allows her to sit down and they strike up a friendship. It's kind of cute, you know. Sasha is her name and she presents herself as a Czech grad student. Right. Which is where we find out that she's that... She's 24, she says. And so she says. She says, how old are you? I'm 23, Jonathan says back to her. Liar. As, as much as I sound like an audiobook narration. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, right, we're setting up this, like, this whole, like, it's like, it's the, it's the classic one, two, three, the joke thing. I'm 23, and I'm not a virgin. Yeah, virgin. <laughs> virgin. What? what? Uh, oh, virgin. Yes, I'm one of those. Right. Virgin. So now he's lied to her twice in in the stretch of about three minutes. And she says to him, that's two lies. There'll not be a third. Right. Three strikes, you're out. Three strikes, you're out. Even any American understands that because we love baseball. We love baseball. (laughs) And that's something I I thought was really smart of them to kind of let it hang there, the whole three strikes rule, but not actually make the baseball analogy. Thank God. Because that would, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about this movie that that I do like is... 
we we know where it's kind of going, or we think we know where it's going. Right. But it's set up. It's very smart, and so far he's likable. He's not so nerdy that you can't stand him. You just like he's Sherman. Like, he's not a science. He's not dick. a science dick. Like Sherman. The thing we like about John, Jonathan is likable. Yes, and he's accessible. He's not. He's not alienated anybody except for that horrible girl at the beginning of right. the movie, for some reason. He's definitely a guy that it's easy for you to get along with. He's in a lot of ways he's an extension, even though he has different characteristics from his character. Was he Lewis? No, Lewis is the other guy. No, uh, Lewis was Carity. Right? Carity. And uh, but his character in Revenge of the Nerds, it's it's not. He's very likable in it, even though the movie is more vehicle for for Carity. Gilbert was his name. Right? Gilbert. 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 Oh my Gilbert see, I can, and see, I can just see him saying Gilbert. Gilbert. Even though he's not afraid of girls, and he's he's opposite in a lot of ways, but he's still that likable guy. And like you said, he's good looking, but not dangerous good looking. Right. He's not. But he's he's handsome. But he's he's not he's not offensively good looking. Right. You like, know. We're like he's uh, not Lee McCloskey. Right. He's not giving he's not giving straight dudes mixed feelings. Right. There's none <laughs> of that going on. So we like him, you know, now he's making time with Sasha Banachek. And they're already, dude, they, they just go out. They just go back to the yeah, hotel. literally. Right? Like, just, she's like, you want to go back and fuck? I ain't going to change you. You're not to be virgin anymore. <laughs> right. And they literally go back. He hangs a little sign on the door. Manolo shows up with this Swiss girl. And he's like, what the hell is going on? And he goes, oh, and just pieces out. I'm like, I'm going to find somewhere else to go. Right. He's just going to take her down to the lobby or something because she's Swiss and he's a terrorist. After they... <laughs> sorry. After he's been de-virginized. They, Deflowered. We see, yeah, we see lots of, uh, see a montage of them walking around and him, her showing him things about Paris and him showing him things about America that were related to things he can find in Paris. And then just learn more about each other. Just kind of goofing off and. Getting to know you. And then <laughs> part of that montage is him having sex again. Yeah, so, of course. So they're rabbits a bit in this. Yeah, I, well, you know how it is when you first meet somebody. It's all about that. It's all about that. <laughs> the first hour you spend together i mean i guess it's supposed to be a couple days right like yeah over the course yeah. of a couple days yeah because some of this part of the montage some of it's at night some of it's at daytime yeah, right so um after and they go shopping a bit and, now he's ditched manolo yeah just completely ditched her like that's the thing when he we kind of overrode that but when he first gets to the room he has to at the hotel he has to kick him out he goes i gotta i gotta check right grad student out there he's like he goes you got a girl no i got a woman right because he certainly is a woman. As soon as Manu opens the door, he's like, whoa. Yeah. My boy who always gets turned down back at school is like, whoa. Yeah. All right, Jonathan. Here's he's the like, room. Oh, man. I, I, I got you covered. And out the door he goes and leaves him to be. So he's a pretty decent friend. It's like not like he's a jerk. To Jonathan. No. Because, again, no. he likes Jonathan. They're, they're, they're homeboys. They're not. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're rich, white dude. I'm going to take you to Paris. I mean, other than him ditching him for a girl in the very beginning. Uh, yeah, but, you know, come on. They're, they're 18. Really, but they, but they're once, on their own in Europe. But, right, once that <laughs> happens, though, once Manoa sees this woman that his boy Jonathan's got, there's nothing that's real obvious that he's changed his view of him. Right. But every time he, he bring a new girl, he's bringing a new girl back to the hotel room. He knew that, Oh, let's go back to your room. Right. Well, yeah, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan's the man now. John, Jonathan's a man because even Manoa has to look at him and go, man, you got a woman. I haven't right. had a woman. I've had lots of girls, but I, you have a woman. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, then the, part of their montage, they go shopping and have more sex. More sex. More sex. Coffee, possibly. And then after, the, 
<laughs> Maybe a baguette or two. After they've had sex enough times while they're in bed together, the pillow talk starts. Oh, yeah. You know. And there's the uh, the side boob we mentioned earlier. And as they're talking, he's like, she says, I, I need to go to Berlin tomorrow. Oh. But Jonathan was supposed to go to Spain with Manolo. With Manolo, right. And she goes, Yo, it's okay. You man. sound like Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's totally cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, Natasha. You don't sound like a man. You sound like fearless, fearless leaders lady. Uh, oh, wait, wait. That's <laughs> Moose and Squirrel. Moose and Squirrel? Moose and Squirrel. So Sasha asked him, you know, Jonathan, come to, to Berlin with her. And he's just like, this is 1985. We are six years removed from the Berlin Wall coming down. Oh, right. Yeah, it's still in so place. So there's two very decisive parts of Germany. and There's fun Germany. And then there is... <laughs> Not fun Germany. You know, uh, it's got... They refer to it the, as the DDR. Easier way of saying it is the GDR. The Deutsch way of saying it is too convoluted, so I'm going to call it the GDR. Even though they call it the DDR... And it stands for German Democratic Republic. And, of course, they make a joke about it. It doesn't seem very democratic, democratic to me. yeah, totally. Before they go, Jonathan makes a call to his po- folks and say, hey, I'm not going to Spain tomorrow. I'm going to Berlin. Oh, Berlin? What are you going to Berlin for? Well, you know, we found out that, uh, you know, Natasha is a courier. And that's what how she pays for her schooling. Carrying packages. Carrying packages. Now, this could mean a lot of things. It, it could be something as simple. Bringing something in and out of the, the GDR is it, you, you bringing something Western in yeah. is highly is highly illegal. Right. And we discover that later on once at one of the checkpoints, he's got a Playboy magazine and it gets confiscated because you're not allowed Dude. to bring in pornography. pornography. So we know that that part of Germany at the time was very segregated and it was very strict and like the old regime. Yeah, it's like the Iron Curtain never so went away. It's it's everything we know from Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> yes. You know, he also lets Manolo know, hey, dude, I ain't going to Spain with you. And I'm, he's like, I'm, bro, I'm, come on. What like, do you mean? Come on, man. You just go ahead without me. I'll meet and you. And why there. isn't he going to Spain, Corey? What's Jonathan's... What does Jonathan tell Manolo? And Manolo laughs hysterically. I'm in love. They leave the part. I'm in love. Because what happens to virgins after the first time? They always think they're in love. I'm in, in love. the movies. Well, you know, honestly, though, if I I, yeah. I was 18 and that was what deflowered me, I'd have a hard time not falling in love, too. Totally. Right. Again, it's because he's a nice guy and he's a decent person. He's not a, you know, he's right. and not I, a scumbag. Right. And, and for me, in 1985, I was 16. So it was super easy for me to feel that. Oh, and, yeah, man. And, not, and also not having a whole lot of success with girls at that point. It was easy to make that. Oh, man, I feel you. Well, I no, no, it. totally. I mean, one of the things, it, 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 when you're young, you do you fall in love three times a week. Oh, yeah. And that's before you lose your virginity, right? <laughs> like you think any any girl who's nice to you or whatever, the first girl you kiss, of course, you're in love with them. Manolo is not because Manolo was, you know, he was probably had, he probably had sex when he was 12. <laughs> what is this thing? I'll show you. <laughs> Let me show you where it goes. I mean, uh, so Jonathan's in love, so he's going to follow his love into Berlin. Seems like a good idea. What could go wrong? But you know what? He's in love. Yeah. So, but yes, he's following his love into Berlin because, I mean, look, he's in Europe. His time is better spent with her. his eyes with right. her than with Him and Manolo are going to go back to L.A., man. I mean, it's fine. He, he He'll see him again. Right. And, and he doesn't know any more Spanish than he does French. Correct. He's not, he and does. he knows no German. 
Plus, he knows he's got a girl here. Yeah. What's going to happen? He doesn't know what's going to happen in Spain. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I get it. It it all makes sense for me. It never bothered me when I was young. It doesn't bother me now. Because she is pretty smoking hot. And what is her passport? I mean, I guess her passport's fake when they show their passports. Because, you know, (laughs) spoilers for later in the thing. So, they arrive in Germany and... uh, we only know they arrive in Germany because they're at some kind of restaurant when there's steins of beer everywhere. Right. And, there, and yes. And there's women in, there's fraulines and women's holding, breasts falling out of their tops. And the server is holding like 10 of these gigantic Blowing beers. Brows. <laughs> Walks over the table and there's, and there's Jonathan holding hands with some other man. And they're all singing beer songs, drinking songs. Boom, pa, pa. Yeah. <laughs> it's Something fantastic. Like, it's wonderful. And then we see Sasha on the phone, at a payphone. Talking to somebody, obviously, in hushed tones. Speaking German and all that, or whatever she's... Is she speaking German or is she speaking Czech? Mm, she's speaking Czech. Yeah. Or some sort of... Yeah. And she's clearly not who we have been led to believe she is. She's a little more than a grad student. Somewhere along the way in the conversation with the person on the other end, she's been told... To use Jonathan. And we know that, uh, you know, Jonathan's, it's all fun and games to him. And this is the first time we kind of see her. This is where she totally like that thinly veiled mysterious is gone. And she's, it's a, it's hundred percent business now with whoever she's on the phone with. So now we know that something is, is amiss. Right. She gets off the phone eventually. And I think they end up back in the uh, hotel mm-hmm. and then she tells him we have to go to East Berlin. Oh man, my favorite thing is where he check into the hotel, and yes, they check in the hotel <laughs> because he's a nice American kid. Yeah, uh, he, you know, the whole <laughs> we're married thing. I just thought it was, you know, it kind of was cute in hindsight. Like, you know, Mister Mister Banachek, Mister Banachek. <laughs> so they check in the hotel as a married couple, and while they're in bed, she says to him. I need to go to East Berlin. That's where I have to pick up the package. And he's like, East Berlin? East Berlin. So this is, a, we were already reluctant to do all this with him because Berlin is already shaky enough as it is. Right. But then now to find out that they have to go to East Berlin into what's known as the DDR or the German Democratic Republic, you're like, whoa. Right. Well, it's 1985 and it's the height of the Cold War. I mean, all I knew really like about, I was 15. So all I really knew was that, you know, Russians were bad and this, and (laughs) And communists were bad. And I was like, don't do it, dude. This is six years before the Berlin Wall would come down. So it's very much a, just two different worlds. So Germany's already Germany, but Eastern Germany on the other side of the wall is craziness. Oh, yeah. They're it, still shooting people, like trying to, you know, people trying to get out. Um, you know, it's 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 dangerous now. Now now the movie is ratcheting up, and it's 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 turned a knob. You already know that Jonathan's out of his element with Sasha at any given time, but now they're in Germany and it's really out there. But now they're going to a place where he may not come back, and it never crosses his mind. It never crosses his mind. So they get to the checkpoint to get into the DDR, and. Jonathan is driving. By the way, his is the steering wheel on the left he's side. He's driving on the right. Yeah, he's driving an American car. Yeah, oddly enough, weird. And so Sasha is sitting next to him, and they hand their passports to the German soldier at the checkpoint. He says, "What is you doing in the DDR? What do you? What's your business here?" And he says, "And he says, uh, tourists." But initially, he says, "Nothing. Nothing. Right? Yes." Which is the wrong answer. <laughs> 
I expected Richard Mauser to walk out in a guard's uniform yeah. and be like, let me handle this. Where is the dynamite? Where is the dynamite? <laughs> Who is Vincent? Where is your teacher? Where's Bob Roberts? <laughs> Bob. Anyway, sorry. So, Jonathan, and probably not the best advice anybody can give anybody, he undertakes smart-ass American tone with him and sarcasm, which doesn't fly well across languages, much less right. with a military type. Eventually, they get past. This is the first time we really kind of realize Jonathan is in and over his head. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's a simple thing, but he's in over his head. And you can tell by the look when the soldier that checkpoint says, uh, asks Sasha to turn and look at him so he can get a, a fair comparison with her passport. The look that he gives her, a look that she gives him, is such a hard look that we haven't seen her give anybody yet. Yeah, totally. And, and, and we already know, we already know something's up. Right, because she's sultry and mysterious. And, and everybody is showing has given him or has the reservations about it. Even he has reservations about going. Oh yeah. Because it's pretty gnarly where they're going. Um, so once they, once they are now in Eastern Berlin, you know, and they check into the hotel at their, another hotel, cause now they're in Eastern Berlin while they're, you know, while they're both asleep, well, at least Jonathan's asleep. Sasha gets up and leaves the hotel. This is at night. She goes off to meet him, some man in the dark and they exchange some, some phrasing and they realize that they are to meet each other and everything's all good for that. She gets what she needs to get. She gets a half of a dollar bill. The old half dollar half bill dollar trick. Bill thing. And as she's walking off, we see some dude in the foreground in a car smoking a cigarette. We don't know who this guy is. Oh, yeah. That's the, the kind of the dude who looks like, um, he, he kind of looks like Leopold Locke from <laughs> For Your Eyes Only with the little octagonal glasses. <laughs> we eventually find out this guy's name is Vlad, but not until later on. And this guy, when I went to go look him up on IMDb just to give you some more um, some more options and where you can see this guy's working. It's all German movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's in the, what's weird in the movie is like, he is like the, he, he's the Richard Mauser of this movie, right? Like Richard, like Richard Mauser was the intense weirdo. This dude is like, he's ratcheted up about, you know, eight notches above everybody else. So and Sasha eventually gets back to the hotel and, uh, unmolested or anything like that. And she gets in bed with Jonathan and, the next day we start getting more of that, more montages again of them running around Eastern Berlin. They're at breakfast. They're at, a, they're at a, a local park with kids and they're taking photographs of each other being... In the swings, in the being swings. cute, doing couple stuff. And that guy that we saw in the car the night before that was kind of stalking Sasha is now stalking the Both, two of them. Right. And you're like, what's up with this dude? Now you get a really good look at him because you couldn't see him before. So just after the park... Sasha tells Jonathan, if I ever call you and I tell you, meet me at the cafe, uh, Frederick Strauss. Frederick Strauss. She said, peace out, hit the checkpoint, get out. Yeah, you're gone. You're in the wind, buddy. Clearly, you know, he's, she's expressing her concern for him by saying, hey, if I ever call you this, I'm in trouble, get out. Which is funny because his reaction is like, why, why would you be in trouble? <laughs> Right. I Why mean, would you ever call me and say go to the cafe Frederick Strassen? This and this is the first time since they got to Berlin, either Western or Eastern Berlin, 
that he's like genuinely concerned now. Well, also the play, there's not a, there's not a shred of playfulness in this conversation between the two of them, which there always has been a little bantery right. between them up until now. And this, now she's dead serious. Then, and just before she says this to him, she looks over her shoulder to all the German soldiers that are right behind her to make sure they weren't eavesdropping right. area. And she tells him this information. If I ever call you and tell you this, get out of here. Beat it. So next we see them get to this market. So are you hungry? And he says, yeah, I'm hungry. He's like, well, it's 12 o'clock. I have that meeting, that pickup. Right. That she has to do. So he goes inside to eat and we follow her to what looks like a photo map booth where they sell film and other touristy postcard kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and this is where she gives her half dollar bill to the other person that's sitting inside the booth and they have the matching half of it. And it's you. It's you. It's you. And she gets a roll of film. So she's she got the film. So she's handed a roll of film. She doesn't know what's on it, but doesn't matter. This is a package that she's picking up. She never, I mean, she never knows what she's picking she up. She never knows what she's picking up. And so she's got this roll of film and goes to meet Jonathan at the market. She goes to get her food and drops her silverware by accident. And who helps pick up the silverware? It's our boy Vlad, right? Our boy Vlad. Yeah. He, now we know that he's still following them. This yeah, is, and he knows what's up. He goes off in his merry way and she goes and sits down with Jonathan to eat their food. Chris Jonathan says, so what did you get? Strudel. 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 Yes, you know, apples, raisins, nuts. What's in this strudel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hold that it whole interchange. It's which is pretty funny. No, it is good. It's it's you know, I mean it, it all works. Again, another one of those exchanges that he's even though he's he's still accepting what's going on here, he's still feeling the euphoria of new love that he's Man, his hormones are raging. He, he, he just doesn't victim. He doesn't care. He's just going along with it. He he so, made question her for about half a second, and even before she finishes answering his question, he's already like, I don't care. Really. Right? What's that river in Egypt? Denial. That Denial. one. Yes, totally. Denial. So there you go. So they both finish eating and they start walking away, and and uh, she senses that somebody's following them. And she knows that Vlad's already there because he picked up the silverware for her when she dropped it. Right. She senses someone's following him, so she says, hey, why don't you meet me back at that this place here? Uh, and she tries to lead Vlad away from the two of them. And yes, Vlad actually will follow her. You know what? I kept waiting for someone to, like, I, dude, I swear, man, I kept thinking when I was watching, like, man, how come nobody calls her Sasha the cat, dude? Because she is such like a, you know, I mean, somebody, There's, I figured, like, where's that nickname, Sasha the cat? Because she is nervous and always looking over her shoulder, like, you know, the way she's very feline. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's in her eyes. It's, it's, it's the haircut. It's that whole sort of, you know, but as I'm watching it as, as this, as the, as the spring is wound tighter, she becomes more and more like cat like. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a trip. So she leads Vlad away and she's having to walk faster and walk faster. As soon as she turns the corner, she bolts and she runs Everywhere she turns, she's running to locked doors and locked gates, and she is not finding an escape route for herself. She finds an abandoned building, and she just hits it and starts going up the stairs. Probably a four or five-story building. She just goes, and she's flies in pursuit as well. He's now hoofing it right behind her, and she's got a little bit of a head start on her on him. Gets to the top, opens the window, and goes down the fire escape because she's got nowhere else to go. Yep. You know, and he's hot on her tail. And by the time he looks out the window and sees, she's already jumped She's off at the bottom. And she's gone. 
Right. And his old ass ain't going to catch up. Yeah, he's her. a smoker too, dude. He was, he's, and he's pissed because she made him chase her. Yeah. He's not so, having too much of that. He's not a happy gent anyway. Next thing we see, uh, we see Jonathan, and he's at the location where... He's outside supposed, the market. Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Wiener schnitzel. Which I guess is pretty much every other store Everything, in Germany. Dude, yeah, schnitzel, especially in, uh, especially in East Berlin. Yeah. They're big a, on schnitzel. There's, you know, there's big, schnitzel. there's Wiener everywhere. Wiener. There's so much Wiener here. So as he's standing there, uh, DDR police comes Another up to him. friendly. Uh, and starts busting his balls while he's waiting there. You're really a... Become affectionate for this storefront here. Why are you standing in the window? Right. Why are you loitering? You, you lo- basically is why you're loitering. Let me have your papers. That's the question. Give me your papers. Then let me see your papers. Then who are you waiting for? And then he says his American girlfriend. Which yeah, does it, what's her name? Sasha, Sasha. Benacek. Benacek. <laughs> That's not an American name. Well, Benacek. But her name's Czechoslovakian, but she's American. He kind of runs away. Yeah, he says, well, well, I'll wait here for I'm with you. Oh, and no, no, no. That's and all just, right. And he just pieces out. And I'm like, I thought I thought that move would have, you know, garnished him with more attention. Dude, I thought for sure, like, you know, hey, he's either going to end up in cuffs or, there, you know, a few more soldiers are going to show up and th- then it's going to go bad. And it just kind of like they build all this tension and it's like, and then he suddenly just pieces out and like, hey, dude, I'm out. And he like looks back at him like. I remember, I remember, I was remember thinking as he's walking away from the whole thing, I was going, God, don't look back. Don't look back. And then he looks back and it's like the guy is just staring at him. And I'm like, and then there's nothing. Nothing. And in fact, the next thing you see is, is Sasha talking with some dude at a bar. Yeah. Some guy that we don't recognize. We've never seen this guy. But they're, they're having some kind of. You find out that she's definitely on his side and we still don't even know what side we don't know who's on. We, we don't know what side is what. We don't know who this guy is, other than that she's working with him. Right. And we don't know if he's if this guy's tied to the guy we saw. In, I mean, was it was it the same dude that came out of the shadows? Fuck, it no, has to be. Right? I think it has to be right. It. I mean, we know it's the same guy she was probably on the phone with, and but, I feel like it's the guy that came out of the shadows. Yeah. So after Jonathan bails from the wiener schnitzel, from the schnitzel, from the schnitzel the house stand, of Wiener, and possible lifetime imprisonment in some East Berlin jail cell again for being a kind of a flip flippant American kid, right? <laughs> but you know, he says a lot about about American teenagers in 1985. <laughs> no, right? God, like you know, not but not not the smartest group, and yeah, you know, goes back to the other guy, the Motorheads. So we see Sasha now. Uh, with the guy that gave her the half dollar bill earlier. Yeah. I always thought that was weird too, that they gave half of a $1. An American, American dollar, right? Dollar. Not a mark or anything. Maybe, but you know, again, maybe it's one of the, oh, I don't want to spoil the rest of this. Um, I think more than anything, it's just something. Lazy that, prop, man. It's either that or they're making some sort of statement by using an American bill. Or is it a red herring? I don't know, man. There's, there's the possibilities are endless. Or maybe that's what the dollar was worth in 1985. The rest of the world, half dollar, half dollar, one dollar worth fifty cents. I don't know, but I love stuff like that, man. It's so classic spy stuff. It's like, yeah, here it is. And it, you know, here's oh yes, it lines up perfectly. You are the one for the strudel. But but when that woman looks, takes the other half, and she still kind of gives her a oh a, a look. No, but it's weird because I feel like. A lot of those actors are German. They're 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 the real deal, and they're right. just like you know. They just told them, "Be yourselves. You guys do your thing." Because I think a lot of them are maybe. I feel like there's some non-actors in this movie. A lot of the European. Oh, I could see that. Sure. Like maybe like uh, Vlad. Vlad's a real actor, but like 
I don't know about the dudes, like the DDR soldiers and stuff. Those right. guys seem, I mean, they're not bad, but they're like very like. Well, I think what it is, I bet they're probably, they are actors, but English is a, is a rough language. For right. Them. So it comes off as like, and like the, even like the mannerisms of uh, like you and I, as opposed to the woman who's maybe sliding the film at the photomat. Given the look. Give, just look at them. <laughs> look at them. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, you know, it's that whole, but yeah, I mean, but all of it adds to the, to the tension. I mean, the, that's the one thing that I kind of take away from seeing it again, like probably, I mean, I saw it quite a few times. It was on cable back in the day, but you know, it's one of the things, the tension in this movie really works. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it looks, it's not goofy looking. It's, it's grim. It's photographed. It's grays. It's blues. Um, oh yeah, speaking greens. of yeah, speaking of the the visuals in the movie, Robert King, who also did Revenge of the Nerds, he did he handed all the cinematography for this, and it's got we have a tie in to last week's show, right? And that he worked on the last Starfighter. This movie, for being thirty plus years old, it's funny because people always say, "Oh, movies that look like movies in the eighties, they, they don't all age terribly, and they no. don't all." Um, they're not all neon and pastel colors. I mean, that's later. That came later. But like a lot of the stuff that was made up until like 85, 86, I'm going to say pre-Miami Vice, didn't have that kind of... And, and things, they do hold up because this this is a spy movie. It's not It's not an action. This is, a, this, is, this is the spy who came in from the cold. It's like in that vein. I really hope we get a Blu-ray somewhere along the way with this because... Oh, man, for sure. I, want, I gotta... I didn't check it, but I'm pretty sure this movie's supposed to be in scope, but it's not on the DVD. Obviously, no. you know, it's not you don't you're not getting any kind of letterboxing. It's sixteen by nine, so it fills. Right. But it definitely I've definitely You're losing something. There's no way sure. that this movie wasn't shot in scope. Oh no, no way. So we need that. Yeah. Shout select again. Shout select Kino, somebody, anybody, whoever you know, you guys are doing you guys you guys do things right. Please Take a look at Gotcha. Please, because gotcha be rad. It would be. I'd buy it. So Sasha and this dude are talking. This may not necessarily be the dude that came out of the shadows to hand a half a dollar bill, but he's somebody that's part of her team that she's working with. Right. We're buying into at this point. He's at the very least a dude that was on the phone when they first get to Germany telling her you have to use this kid. Part of the resistance. And now, yeah, no, there's, there's no way we're getting around it. you got to use the kid. Again, it kind of jumps around a little bit and there are some lapses in time, but you know, we buy into it because... It's a movie. It doesn't play linearly anyway. And Sasha calls Jonathan and says he wants her to meet her at the train station. Right. So he goes to the train station to meet him there and give him this is the package. He gives him a big hug when they're on the train. And while she's hugging him, she takes that package, the roll of film, and puts it in the top compartment of his backpack. He has no clue it's there. Right. But, you know, he's, he was shooting photographs earlier with his father's camera. The Nikon. But you, the Nikon. But the you Nikon. Nev- but you never see him handling the film or anything. So right. it, it, him having a camera in his bag was perfect to get this film out of East Berlin without a problem because he's got a camera and film. It goes with the guys perfectly. So after that, after they're on the, they're the train, she says, meet me at the hotel in 45 minutes. We're waiting. And then Sasha calls Jonathan. And she says the one thing he never thought she'd say to him again. Meet me at the Cafe Friedrichstrasse. Friedrichstrasse. And he's like, what the fuck? Friedrichstrasse. Hell you say. He's like, what? Right. So he's like, he immediately just goes, oh shit, I got to get out of here. Dude, and he started sprinting. 
He's sprinty because his car won't start. Right. He doesn't have a choice here. And no. then right after we see her get off the phone with him, Vlad and his boys pick her up. Right. And she's screwed. And she's scared, man. You, you know, this is the first time you sort of see like that cool exterior of hers start to crack a little bit. She knows she's in this shit. Oh, yeah. Quite honestly, she doesn't know. She doesn't, she doesn't have to put on a show for him. Right, she, because, yeah. Like she just with John. He does not care. He doesn't care because he's seen it all. I will break you. I will break you. Yes, he becomes that guy. And Man in the Shadow isn't going to help her right now. Man in the Shadow is just kind of like stay in the background. I'm not going to do anything. Him and for Kiosk you. Woman are neither one anywhere to be found. Both the guy and Sasha knew that there's no way he was going to get out of Berlin. She was going to get out of Berlin with the package, which is why they used. Yeah, well, it's like, that's yeah, exactly. And she knew they were on to her. So, and she knew she was going to get caught. She knew it was coming. So, she's not concerned about getting caught. Right. Because they, she did prepared. her job. Right. And they, and they have, they've, there's, there's, there's an, what do you call it? There's an, uh, not an exit strategy. But she, yes, she sort of has an exit strategy out of this because now she's got nothing on her. They have no proof. They have no proof. And they got, they have to let her go. So, Jonathan gets to the checkpoint. Dude. This is like to get out of the DDR. It's more so now than maybe it did pre 9-11. But man, this is the kind of stuff is pretty scary. Dude, this is like literally watching this. I was getting stressed and I don't stress easy, but it was stressing me like it elevates you, the whimsical nature of the movie goes completely out the window at this point because all we're worried about is Jonathan getting out safely. Forget about the package and like, you know what? He's done. They're going to, there's something about him. He's getting nervous about things. Right. Because she's always been with him. And even when he's felt anxious, anxious, she's there to calm him down. Right. And whatever mixed feelings he had about the situation were quickly squashed by her. But now he doesn't have that security blanket right. anymore. She's a smooth operator and he's not. And he's done. And the guy at the checkpoint senses it. He oh, says yeah. there's something going on with him. That guy's like a freaking German shepherd, dude. Like a dog sniffing. Like he, He's like a drug dog. <laughs> that guy, he's like. So brings, he says, tells him to go near the room and strip down to, to his nakedness. Right. And he's not having any nonsense. Like, no when he's like, nonsense. well, why? He's like, strip. It's, it's. The, the whole sarcasm that was given to the guy when he first went to East Berlin. Gone. He's. He's wheeled a back hole. He says something, and that was it. And it got shut down instantly. Oh yeah, man. So he's standing there, buck ass naked, and the German soldier says, "You know, you've done something very illegal." <laughs> right, and we're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, this is my German accent again. I want to work on my German accent. You've done something very illegal, young man. And he's like, "What? It's just strudel." <laughs> It's just strudel. It's just apple, raisins, and nuts, dude. Yeah, You're totally. You're German, right? don't you know that? Don't you know it's in strudel? No, it's this. And he pulls the, out... The Playboy that we were discussing earlier. Right. You've brought pornography into well, the DDR. Well, that's not pornography. Yes, it that's is. Playboy. Your Playboy is Playboy. You know, Hugh Hefner. Dorothy Stratton. Crickets. Wow. <laughs> I don't have anything to put in there. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so like he's not having any of that nonsense. But I mean, literally, that that guy, this guy is like turned the screws. And uh, you know, the, the angles of the you know where the, the camera position, the angles, the lighting's changed a bit in here. And I mean, it's really working for me. I was just like, man, I was like highly, like I said, I was highly stressed. And what added to it all was them intercutting 
back and forth between, between what's going him and what's going on with Sasha right. with her getting strip searched by Vlad and his yeah. people. This is where we're warning you about if your kids are watching this, there is some nudity in this movie after she gets strip searched in the shower. You're, you're already anxious for him because oh, yeah. what's going on with him. But when you see what's going on with her, you're it's like, worse. it's worse. And you're like, but you still make the parallels between the, like, oh my gosh, is that what's happening to him next? And this fun teen movie from the director of Revenge of the Nerds suddenly gets really dark. It is a dark, dark place. It is, man. It like, I, I, again, funny, like as a kid, it was more adventurous. Like I, I, you know, Maybe a little bit of the danger was lost on me because I was like, oh, it's, you know, if it's Gilbert's <laughs> Revenge of the Nerd, everything's going to be cool. But like watching it now and it's like, it, it, man, it's really, it's really dark. It is. This dark moment. And they bring this perfect amount of levity to the whole situation where the German DDR says, I'm going to confiscate your Playboy. And you know what he's doing. Yeah, totally. He's like, he doesn't have access to that stuff. It's like, yeah, right, I'm going to confiscate this. And you all know. Oh, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom as soon as I kick you out of here. But by the way, you know, later on, this is a sidebar. This is, I'm going to completely cut this out. When Vlad gets to the checkpoint and he says, you're supposed to stop this guy. I told blah, 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 stop this guy. And they're like, oh, he's on break. Right. They're totally alluding the fact he's beaten off. Yeah, in the absolutely. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, we can add, we can throw this back in, but yes, dude, I laughed out loud. Like when he said, oh, he's on break. I was like, oh my God, he's jerking off. So Jonathan gets released, but without his playboy, which I'm not sure was his. I think it might've been. I think Blood Manolo. I think it was Manolo because he's, we see him reading it earlier. Yeah. Cause he's, yeah, it, I, it certainly doesn't fit. It's not character of Jonathan to even have it. Right. So he's, he's kind of like making his way out of there and he has to go to the visa Oh, got a that, window. Yeah, again. Hand, handle the passport. More tension. More tension. This whole, like, this woman is a ball this buster. Woman, and she just says, ah, oh, your, 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 visa, your visa expired four hours ago. Is like, you only pay for one day. Like, okay, well, whatever. It's like, you have to pay for another day. So it's like, okay. Goes, next window. Next window. He moves down the next window. Here's some more of that levity. It's the same woman. Yes. <laughs> it goes, hi. My visa what can expired. I do, what can I do for you? <laughs> And he's just kind of like, you know, I, I was waiting for him to kind of like look around. He's like, is there anybody else here that's seeing this? To look back in the window he just was in. Like, I was waiting for that whole thing. It's one of those moments that feels very slapsticky, Benny Hill type of bit. Yeah, vaudevillian. Vaudevillian. But it still works. Because it, it, it immediately cuts the tension that we're starting to, because they had to do two things. They had to confiscate the Playboy to cut, yeah. bring that levity there. And they had to do this to bring it downward because it got dark between what was going on with Sasha and what was going on with Jonathan. So the visa lady hassles him, and she finally lets him go. And she gets, stamps his passport, and with his visa, right, he's, he's able to leave. He's beating feet and out of there. I mean, he's he's got another 20 hours he's paid for, but he's like, I'm not waiting for this, I'm out. Yeah, he's and he's he's hoofing it, double-timing it out of there. It cut to Vlad racing but wait, his wait, car. Wait, before that, though, she comes running down the hall no, chasing him. No, no, it goes, they do the... Does it? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Then, <laughs> so we see Vlad racing his car through East of Berlin and he's he's gunning for the checkpoint because he yeah. knows he knows Sasha doesn't have anything then Jonathan's got it he's got to have it he's got to have it otherwise where is it so he's racing and racing and you're like oh god Jonathan get through that checkpoint just get get going and as he's walking down through the gate he gets buzzed through Miss Visa lady is like oh wait she's running wait. down the hall but, sir sir 
And she's just like, oh man, you're, he's done. He's done. Maybe some phone call was made. You don't know. Why are you in such a hurry to leave Berlin? And hit that gnarly Bill Conti cue. <laughs> he turns around and we're, we're ramping the tension back up again. We just got the levity we needed and now it's ramped back up. And you forgot your change. Oh, yeah, dude. I know. I was like, oh. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really effective, that, that whole sequence. Um, it's rough. It it's, is rough. It's crazy. And Jonathan finally gets his way out of there. He gets across safely. He asks the American soldier there, he goes, am I in Western Berlin now? He goes, yes. And he turns around and throws the bird. <laughs> he and flies the bird, man. Fuck you. Super defiantly, dude. <laughs> and they, as he walks away, they stay on the soldier. He's like, I've been wanting to do that for six months. Yeah, man. That, that, that made me laugh. But you kind of see it coming. Because of the way, I mean, it's like, but but when it comes, you're still like, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, of course we all wanted him to get out of there. And Vlad gets to the checkpoint and he tells the guy, hey, you're supposed to hold that. Have you seen this kid? Oh, you yes. seen this kid? Oh, yeah, he was just through here. Well, you're supposed to hold him. And he, you know, rambles off some dude's name. He's like, oh, he's on break. Right, with the magazine. So he gets all pissed off, throws it in a river. Then he makes some kind of crack like, hey, this is why... <laughs> He's, what does he say? How, he how, says, can we, how can we get anything done with you dumb Germans or something? Right. How are we supposed to get anything done with you stupid Germans, right? Yeah. Like, like like more Cold War, like angst stuff from back in the day. So there's prejudice even amongst the commies. Like, like that, the Russians don't like the East <laughs> Germans. Uh, yeah, man. Or Czechos, whatever the... Because to me, I figured he's KGB. I don't know that it, we... Right? He's some sort of like yeah. secret police, but he's not German, obviously, because... He just insulted the Germans. And then, you know, with subtitles, they show in Russian, parentheses a lot, in right. Russian, in Russian. So he's, he's KGB or KGB. something. And you have to assume, considering the Cold War is still being effect at that point. Right. And he's shit talking the Germans. He's clearly not German. No, absolutely not. What, what I find funny about like the whole movie is like during the middle of the Cold War, they're, they're, they're shooting this movie in Europe. And it's it's not painting anybody very flatteringly. No, and you de- so I, much of so I much want some of behind Europe. the scenes. I want some commentary on this movie. <laughs> so much of Europe looks the same for architecture. You can, Absolutely, you could go anywhere in Germany. They could have shot it all in Paris. Yeah, for all I and, know. And all you have to do just set up this fake, you know, DDR checkpoint. Yeah, man. It's it's, it's easy. Just match the colors. Yeah. Get the uniforms. It's good enough. Yeah, it works. So once Jonathan's safely across... Well, he's across now. He gets a payphone as soon as he gets across, and he calls home. Right. His mom and dad are at home, but Rosario, the maid, is there. Couldn't swallow Rosario. <laughs> Rosario. Rosario. He goes, he goes, this is Jonathan. Jonathan, no, Who's he on here. first? Yes. Who's on first? It definitely was a Abbott and Costello bit. What? <laughs> it was wonderful. Rosario's funny. And actually, it's funny. We were talking earlier about, do we ever hear... His mom's name, Maria, being used. Yeah. I don't think we ever do, but he sure says Rosario a lot. Dude, like I thought maybe that was his mom. Rosario. <laughs> Rosario or mom and dad. Yeah, he just keeps saying mom. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, uh, you know, I guess you would call your, you know, if that's your parents. And, you know, he obviously grew up. That was there. Although she seemed kind of young to be like the housekeeper that would have been like as he was grown as he was growing up. Maybe I don't you know. Mean the one that helped him along with his. Oh wait, he didn't. Ha- he didn't lose his virginity yet. No, <laughs> no, that's another movie. That's yeah. another movie. Right, several movies. He tells Rosario, "Tell my, tell my mom and dad that I'm going to be home tomorrow." Yep. 
He's, he's just like, you know what? I, I, I don't care about Manolo. <laughs> don't care about Manolo. Don't I'm, care about Sasha Banachek. I almost spent the rest of my life in a German prison. Which would have been... East German prison. Terrible. Yeah, especially for somebody as blonde and handsome as Anthony Edwards in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, the best thing I would ever ask him to do if he was in Eastern Berlin prison is to shave your head. Yeah, dude. Just shave that like, <laughs> shave that mane. That's one of the, I mean, tell, shave it and glue it to your chest. So, <laughs> <laughs> glue it to your privates, your pits, yeah. and your chest. You got it, plenty of it. After he gets off the phone, he heads back to the hotel, and he goes to the, to the desk and to see if there, hey, has anybody left any messages for me? And, oh, Mr. Banachek, no messages for you. I'm like, oh, no, how about Jonathan Moore? Look up Jonathan Moore, and sure enough, there is a note. Right. And it's from Sasha. Yes, it is. Saying, come meet me here. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So he heads upstairs to his room, and his room has been completely overturned. It's ransacked. 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 Where does the word ransacked come from? I don't know. I just kind of like to say it. It's fun. Ransacked. I make a note several times. I use the word ransacked there, and then I use it again when he gets home. What? Oops, we're fast forwarding. Ransacked. So his hotel's been ransacked, and his shit's all gone. So he heads back down to the desk and says, someone broke into my room. He goes, he goes, what? And, uh, read the sign. And, well, it's in German. I don't I, read I German. Read and he goes, he says, the hotel's not responsible for any theft. He's like, well, shit, I have my traveler's checks. You can't pay? <laughs> <laughs> you no stay. Right. Well, that's what I thought was hilarious, dude, is like, first of all, hey, just leave. You can't pay. Get out of here. He's like, like he's not charging him for holding the room. Or yeah. Anything else, because if he left your shit there, you'd think, did you did he pay before they left for those days, or do you just pay when you check out? But I don't know what what his, he had no he had no other. I mean, it was funny. Is like when he gets there and he finds all his shit stolen. He had all his shit with him. I felt like well, like his, his backpack uh, and the Nikon anyway. Right, and I all I have is and he left his know, traveler's I, checks. I have his ten Deutschmarks and my passport. And he goes, we don't take Eastern, Eastern Berlin uh, uh, currency here. I don't know why. I mean, I understand him being a little panicky, but he's got what he needs to get the fuck out. Right. He's got his plane ticket. Yeah, he's absolutely. He's got his passport. I don't know what he's bitching about. And I don't know why he left his traveler's checks. Right. In a room. I mean, he seems like he's smarter than that for most of the, you know. Yeah. It's just weird. I mean, I'm sure it's because it was written in the script and, you know, they didn't, they're like, eh, don't worry about it. You know, nobody's going to ask. You're not writing traveler's checks. They don't take them in East Berlin. How about that? They're yeah. no good there. So why carry them? That's probably what it is. Yeah. I mean, I really don't. I doubt that Eastern Berlin's going to take American Express Absolutely. traveler's checks. <laughs> Absolutely not. So Mystery that makes solved. No sense. Maybe there was something there that they shot and they just cut out. Yeah. Explanation. You don't need that because you can't use it here. Yeah. It's the next morning now, and uh, some policeman goes up and taps him on taps Jonathan on the shoulder because he's been sleeping on the bench. He's got nowhere to go. He's got ten Deutschmarks that just the night before some some nudie bar do wanted him to. Okay, come in here for ten Deutschmarks. I can do this for you. Um, also, but, I just think were those Deutschmarks? Would would the strip club take those uh, Eastern? German, Eastern uh, well, Germany. Well, this. yeah, that's what brought my brought to my attention because when he tells the hotel clerk that all he has is these ten Deutschmarks, right? That's exactly what the nudie bar dude says. Ten Deutschmarks. Like you could have the night of your life for ten Deutschmarks. Every time I've seen the movie, I always remind myself, oh my gosh! At that point, I'm like, yeah, do go. Yeah. There's your ten Deutschmarks. 
You, you're in. That's exactly what you've got, dude. You've got 10 Deutschmarks. Get in there. Get in there. What I want to know what's going on. What are you eating for? Might be I, a better place to sleep than the bench. I just think that he, well, you know what? He's in love, dude. He's not thinking about the nudies. I don't even know if he's thinking about her at this point. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, no, he, is. he is. Because he has Otherwise, to Otherwise, he would have split. He has to go meet her. Right. Which is weird because I don't know, man. I mean, love is blind, but is love stupid? Because I, dude, I don't know. After all that, that narrow escape, I would have been like, I'm on a plane, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But then what, the movie ends. He goes to meet what he assumes is her. Right. He gets to the top of this, uh, they call it the Citadel, right? Yeah. At the top of this tower, and there's a woman there. In a trench coat. With an accent. says, are you Jonathan Moore? And he says, yes. He goes, I'm a friend of Sasha's. Well, at this point, nobody in this movie can be trusted except no. for Manola. Right, Manolo, and he's in Spain. So this guy's not helping. He, you know, for all we know, he was a spy, too. Oh, shit, did he we say He said he right? was. He said he was a terrorist. Yeah, he's a terrorist. <laughs> Difference. That's a spy, spy. with... Was, that's spy a, with explosives. <laughs> <laughs> spy with... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he goes and meets who he thinks is Sasha and this... Like and, and this perfect... Night. <laughs> like a Ronin. It's <laughs> another movie. So this woman approaches him and says that she's a friend of Sasha's. And uh, What did Sasha give you? What did Sasha give you? I need it so they can keep her safe. And you are like, dude, no way. What did dude, she... Hey. Who is this person? I don't trust you. Yeah. And I don't like, trust anybody. No one. And, and and why would I give you... What did she... And, and the funny thing is, as far as he knows, all she gave was the goddamn strudel. Strudel. So he hands this woman the strudel because... She's got nothing else. And she says, he goes, what is this? And he goes, it's a strudel. That's what she gave me. You know, me. apples, raisins, walnuts. Yeah. Throws that back in her face, which is only funny for the audience. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it makes, I mean, it's, it makes me laugh. It, it, Cause it's again, it's like, isn't it like the third time <laughs> that yeah. it's repeated? And this is the big punchline. And they cut to Vlad and his boys. By the way, have you ever noticed that even though Vlad's the boss, He's the one doing everything. Well, because the rest of them are dumb Germans. And that's how I took it. Right, me too. Like, he's like, I have to do this myself. I'm going to shoot this woman in the back. Yeah. Because these guys. I, these guys. I, I sat there in the car, watched her. Interns. I followed her. And, I but, chased her. He chased her, and he didn't catch her. Right. So he's trying to save face at this point. I, I guess. So or, he's got some sniper rifle, and he's aiming for the back of this, well... We don't know what he's aiming at. We see him take aim, and we've assumed that once he Jonathan makes this exchange, that he's just going to kill Jonathan. Right. Because we think that, like everybody else, we don't know who this we woman is. We don't know who she is, and she, boom, shot goes off, and she's hit directly in the back, and she falls into Jonathan's arms to the ground, and he bolts. He takes a strudel and runs. Because <laughs> you tend you make it hungry. This is definitely because he's got no money. He's got no money. And those 10 Deutschmarks are going to get him and anything. And strudel is not hard at this point, right? It's, Except it's for probably a, still fresh. It's only going to give him a peep show that he has no interest in anymore. Gets the strudel, gets shot, and bails. We see one of Vlad's boys go to the top of the thing to get the package. And he just finds the strudel and he like crushes it with his hands and like... Apples, walnuts, raisins. Yeah. <laughs> There's no microfilm. Strudel. 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 Jonathan comes to a dead end, and there's a moat, and it's a good 
five-story drop. Oh, yeah, man. It's like a 40-foot drop into this moat. So he doesn't have a choice. He knows he's got to jump in. Otherwise, he's a dead man. And Vlad comes screaming around the corner in slow motion with his gun drawn right as Jonathan makes this crazy leap into the air first. As if his drop wasn't enough, he jumps a good three feet in the air. Because that's that's what you do. You don't just jump over the edge. You jump up and out. It would have been more out, but it was more up. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Like he had a trampoline and jumped. (laughs) That's that's kind of what it looks like. So anyway, he jumps and the moat the camera. makes across <laughs> makes across the moat. Vlad's still taking shots at him, narrowly missing him. The king would not move the camera, <laughs> but he escapes. And then Jonathan runs into a van. It's a a graffiti laden oh, yeah. van, and out come these makeup covered punk rockers. Do you speak English? Yes, of course. Yes, we speak the English. <laughs> These are Western Germans who have fully embraced rock and roll. Yeah, man. They love it. And they love America. And they love Americans. They love Americans. And they said, hey, can you take me to Hamburg? And they said, yes. And so he gets in the van with them and off they go. And they're asking him questions about where he's from. I'm from Los Angeles. And they start singing Randy Newman's. I love um, LA. Um, anyway, so he runs to the punk band and he's like, I need to go to Hamburg. He goes, good. We're going. We got a gig. Like it's a big surprise that, that someone's paying them to play. Right. So he hops, you know, he's, they're willing to take him to Hamburg. He hops in the van and off they go. And, you know, on the, on the way to Hamburg, they're asking him all these questions. Oh, right. Who do you know in Los Angeles? Yeah. And they're clearly uh, fans of whatever pop culture is being fed At the moment. At the, at the, at the right. Moment. Maybe six months late. <laughs> you know, that's how things work. So as they're approaching, he's like, oh, yeah, get your passport stuck because we have to go through the DDR. He's like, the DDR? I just came from there. He goes, yeah, but to get to Hamburg, we have to go through. Everybody knows the road to Hamburg goes through the DDR. Yeah, you dumb American. You're going to get a map? He's like, oh, I'm. he's boned. Screwed. He's so boned because there's no doubt that Jonathan Moore's name's all over They got a photograph of him. He's like, don't worry about it. They all have a good laugh. And then? They walk up. He's like... Papers. So he, the driver hands him his passport and he sees the passport and he looks at him and he sees this kid without makeup on his photograph going, oh, okay, all right, I guess that's him. Goes to the passenger side, looks at the passport and goes, yeah, comparative mm, with the makeup and sure, the hair. Maybe sure, okay. Get to the girl and she lifts her bangs, her bangs up and he goes, I guess it's her. And then this hand from the dark, hands him the passport. And we open it up, it's Jonathan's passport. And he kind of ushers him with his hand, let me see your face. And he slides out, and the band, the Kukult, right? Yeah, K-U- totally. K-U-L-T. Kukult. Kukult has given him a makeover. And he looks exactly like, he looks like a cross between Corey Haim and Vanilla Ice. Which is not a plus in either regard. But... It will get you in out of the DDR. And they get by. What's funny is he looks even less like his photograph than the other three. Oh, 100%. Which is crazy. Yeah. Now he's back in the DDR. Back in the DDR. Well, they get they make their way to the airport. Right. And they're at the airport. And uh, he's saying goodbye to his new punk rock friends. Hey, and, and he Jonathan, says, we look you up. 
he, do you want these back? And he's like, oh, no. They're like, no, keep them. It's a souvenir. So he's got this a whole bunch of uh, hardware that he wore to get him through the DDR. Something to remember his Spike. ever so memorable trip. On. <laughs> Wearing a dog collar. Just to remind him how he narrowly <clears throat> escaped his lifetime in prison. Twice. Twice. He leaves an LAX terminal. An LAX, it's unrecognizable. Shit. I mean, it, age. I think it's changed three times, four oh, times yeah. since then. Totally. Hell, it's changed like twice in the last five years. I mean, I wouldn't, if I, if I didn't know, I would, I would never believe that's LAX. If I went there for the first time today and then somebody said, oh, yeah, that's where you were yesterday. I'd be bull. No, come on. He's happy to be back home. Gets yeah, back man. to his apartment, puts on some Nick Kershaw. Yeah. Uh, doesn't, isn't it the same? Isn't it? Uh, wouldn't it be good? Yeah, wow. It's just like Pretty in Pink. So he turns on his Nick Kershaw. But what's really weird, just before he does that, his eyes get all big. Like, I got an idea. I'm going to put on music because I'm the only one here. But like, right. you're the only one that lives there. Yeah, exactly. Like, who else would be there? I think you should just be happy that no one's ransacked your house. Or that nobody's there to know he's listening to Nick Kershaw. Or yet. Oh, right. Ransack! So he's at his apartment, turns on some Nick Kershaw. Oh, thank God Jonathan is safe again. Cut to Vlad. Outside that same LAX terminal. Oh, shit. How did he get here? Boy, Vlad, he must have some people. Diplomatic community. <laughs> Diplomatic community. We know how that shit works. Yeah. Oh, we will in four years. So, like, holy shit, he's so, well, we know this movie's not over yet. Because Vlad is in Los Angeles. Yeah, and Vlad is in LA at Jonathan's home. Right. Now, you know what? See, now Vlad is on Jonathan's turf. Wow. Well, well, Jonathan's screwed. Well, Jonathan starts going through his backpack now, and he finds his rolls of film, his dad's camera, all that fun stuff, and he finds a roll of film that Sasha put in his backpack. He instantly recognizes it. I was like, what's that? Right. Not his. That's not mine. He sees his roll of film. He's looking at it. What is this thing? And crash. He hits the ground because he's still on edge. And he looks at while he's on the ground, he looks over and he sees a football. Ugh. Those damn college kids. And he goes and looks out the window and he goes, Oh, hey, hey bro. bro. <laughs> hey, bro. Whatever. I want some help. Yeah, throw us back to Bowman. You can charge blah, 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 fraternity, whatever the fuck. Lambda, lambda, lambda. <laughs> Boy, I gotta say, man, that's two movies in a row that. <laughs> That this director took shots at frats, man. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. He must have gotten his ass kicked every day in college. So Jonathan goes over to his parents' house to have dinner. And, you know, his parents are super excited to see him. And mom, oh, you're home safe. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Oh, oh and then out comes over. Oh, son, I'm so glad to see you. Where's my camera? Where's the Nikon? Give me the Nikon. And he has, oh, man, I thought for sure you were going to lose that. And takes off the lens and just water dumps <laughs> out of the body. What happened? Right, this is my favorite part where he's like, well, I had to jump into a moat. And his parents are like, a moat? So he gives the folks a rundown exactly what he's experienced and what we've seen on screen for the last hour of the movie. Right. And, and what do they think? And they're just like, oh. it's super. It's super expositional because we've already witnessed it. Right. But it's their, what we're going for is the reaction, the parents' reaction. It's hysterical. Are you on drugs? Oh, dude, this, do, and it's you, such an 80s thing, right? Like the whole, like, it made me laugh, bec not because it was funny, but because it's what every movie parent <laughs> said to their teenager from 1983. Uh, when did Reagan become <laughs> From 1980 to 1988. Are you on drugs? 
I do want drugs. It, it, it was such a... It, such a go-to. It was such a go-to. The parents just, they're not buying it. You're on drugs. There's you no know? way that happened. No, this really happened. This really happened. There's lots of good counseling programs. I mean, you're just, again, something, a kid that grew up in this, you're like going, oh, yeah, the whole Nancy Reagan, just say no just, campaign. Oh, man, absolutely. Just hammered down your throat your entire, like, from, like, from I guess, junior high till college, right? Yeah, nonstop. Just say no. Nonstop. Just say no. And even after um, Ronald Reagan left office, Nancy continued being the the for at the forefront of that campaign, and it, it didn't stop. Right. Oh, exactly. I mean, that thing went on up until the nineties. Yeah. I mean, it maybe even you know mid nineties for sure. Yeah. Jonathan Bales, he's in his car driving down Pico, and what's funny is we see a car pop up behind him, mm-hmm. and he's obviously being pursued. He's driving. This is just for us uh, Los Angeles folks. He's driving westbound on Pico, just past Overland, because there's a seven that that seventy six that's yeah. right there. That's in this shot, oh, and right. then across the way there's a B of A that's still there. Am I going? Those those landmarks are still there thirty plus years later, and uh, he feels like he feels like he's being followed, and he looks in his rearview mirror because he's a super on edge now. He's, or is he just paranoid? Who knows? But he's super edgy now because of what happened to him. His, his time spent with Sasha. This car pulls up next to him now. And he's super close to him. Oh my! And we're getting these insert shots of him like being inches away from Jonathan's car. So Jonathan panics and just goes, "Whoa!" And turns his wheel sharply to the right and runs his car into a parked car. And he bolts. Gets to a payphone, calls the FBI. Oh yeah, because you can just ring the FBI from a payphone. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what payphones are, there used to be. <laughs> Never mind. Let's go on. What's funny about him calling the FBI is that again for those live in Los Angeles. He's around Pico and Sepulveda at this point. Yes. He's about five minutes away from the Los Angeles federal. Yeah. Uh, he could, yes. he, he could, he could, could drive there. there. The time he spends on the phone, he could have already been there seeing somebody in person. Right. Especially since they won't give him the address. No, no. Oh, he has to call the CIA. They tell him to call the CIA. Perhaps try the CIA. Because they handle this kind of stuff. Because this is, we don't handle. International. Yeah, we have a strict rule with the FBI that we don't hand the international espionage. Call the CIA. And at the time when all the, any kind of movies were out like this, it was always, the CIA was always behind. Yeah, man. The CIA was super, super devious. Corrupt, super corrupt. Yeah. It was always the CIA. So he, he reaches out to the son of the CIA. He gets talked to the duty officer, the on-duty Guy takes all the calls, all the all the nuts to call up and say, "Oh, you know what? Hey, man. I think I just saw Hitler in my backyard. <laughs> I just solved the uh, shooting in Daly Plaza, man. <laughs> it was the Cubans." So he's on the phone with this guy, and he's telling him what's going on. He's giving him the rundown. He's more far more believable what's going on than his folks were. And just as he's about to reveal something, you freeze and you turn around. And he's got cops on him. Oh, yeah, every cop in Los Angeles. We cut to this wide shot, and here's this dude that gets out of the car. That's him. That's the guy that ran me off the road. I'm like, oh, he wasn't being chased this whole time. We thought that was Vlad or right. one of his henchmen following. No, it's just some dude that doesn't know how to drive his car very well. <laughs> some tailgater. So the cops arrest him, and he's in jail, and Dad comes and asks to bail him out. He's still convinced that Jonathan is on drugs. Oh, yeah. Well, and he what? goes, son, you're a smart boy. If we just get you the help, you'll be just fine. Send you out to Arizona for six weeks. It's going to be great. Conversion therapy. Yeah, man. <laughs> it works. 
He gets home, he looks in, he hears some commotion going on in his an apartment. And he looks in there, and there's a bunch of suits rummaging through his place. Some even say ransacking. Ransack. Ransack. And he hides in the bush until they leave and they're muttering something to affect like the kid must have it with them. Right. We don't know who these guys are. They can no. be, we don't trust anybody here. Hell, Jonathan either is not being trusted by people like his parents right. or he's not trusting anybody. He doesn't have a friend, and Manolo's God knows where. He's still in Spain, for all we know. If, yeah, I mean, we we haven't seen Manolo since the 20-minute mark of the movie. Jonathan picks up the phone and calls the CIA again. This time he's talking to the same dude from the night before. Hey, man, we got cut off when we were talking before, but here's my situation. I don't know who I can trust. I don't. You can't send somebody to come get me. This shit just happened to me at home. Give me the address. So he gives him the address, right? Langley, Virginia. So CIA gives him the address and he gets there and some snotty woman from before made some cracker in the movie about like, oh, we're in Langley, Virginia. I can't give out this address kind of thing. There she is in the LA office. Yeah. CIA is always corrupt. Even if something as simple as a, an address. Dude, you don't trust the CIA. So while she goes, oh, just to be a moment. And he, as he's waiting, he looks down the hall and he sees Sasha. Yeah, man. How did she get here? And what is she doing in this office? And she's with the two dudes. Yeah, that are the guys, those cats. Yeah, agent one and two. Oh, shit. Something's up. And he bails. And then I don't know if she's going to lunch or what, but she's with one of the dudes and he follows her for a little bit. A little spy shit that he picked Not up along unlike the way. Not unlike Sherman. <laughs> so, Jonathan, more spy dick. <laughs> spy dick. Well, we can't call Jonathan a spy dick. Everybody, no. everybody else is a spy dick in this. Yeah, man. He's the only non-spy in the whole movie. I mean, Manolo took him to Europe. He could be in on the whole thing for, you know, if you think about it that way. So Jonathan gets back to his Where apartment, his ransacked apartment. Manolo walks in and just is like, dude, what's going on? And he lays down the 411 for him and tells him what's up. Now, my question for you is, like, after have not seen, after Manolo totally off into the breeze, after everything you've been through, would you just unload the whole story on the dude? No. <laughs> uh, even Sasha, who he thought he could trust. Right. She just like, it's like, oh. He's like, I literally can't trust anybody right now. Right. But so the guy that he confides the whole thing into is the liar known as Manolo. Carlos, the international terrorist. And he knows that Manolo is really good at lying. Right. He knows he, like the whole, their whole, everything is based on a lie. That's how he gets. So maybe that's who you do trust. Maybe so. You trust the guy who lies the best. So Sasha calls him at the house and he answers the phone while Manola's still sitting there. And she wants Jonathan to come meet her at this hotel. Even the the Bono Vincer. Fred Rickenstein. <laughs> the Cafe no, the, Fred Rickensteiner. The, the, the Bono Vincer. The Bono Vincer. The Bono Vincer. So he says, you know what? We're going to play by my rules this time. So Jonathan's taking control. Right. And He's while she's enough. still on the phone, he puts his hand over the receiver and he says, Manoa, you still a homeboy? Right. And he goes, blood in, blood out, man. <laughs> that's what he says. He doesn't say it, but that's what he's saying. Once you're in, you're always in. He's like, yes, we're going to do this. And there's this whole series of events that lead Sasha and the other CIA agents all over the place. Right, they're playing the separation game. Yeah. Divide definitely. and conquer. Divide and conquer. And what's great is they do just a little bit of this car chase thing and they're playing Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes. Oh yeah, it's the best. All the musical cues, non-composed musical cues in this are so 80s. Oh yeah, man. And they all, it's there's all, there's all something else behind each one of them. That's what's so awesome about it. It's a little bit of a car chase and eventually they end up one of these downtown LA 
super familiar scenarios that you've seen in dozens of movies over the years, television shows especially, cop shows from the 70s. And the CIA car gets all surrounded by... Oh, they drive into the blind, right. Absolutely. And then Manila gets out of the car and says, hey, assholes, you're done. Right. And then the two CIAs pull out their guns and say, you know, son, let us go. Right. But we get the sting, when we get the badge thing and the, we don't know about no stinking badges because you knew that was going to have to happen at some point. And he says, we're not playing around, son. He goes, yeah, neither are we. And every single homeboy and all eight of these, nine, ten of these cars pull out at a big arsenal of weapons. And I love the way you hear it. All the guns rack in unison yeah and then you know they're kind of bound and then it's like the cops are like huh how'd this happen so Manoa and uh, Sasha end up at the university and along the way she's she's trying to convince him that I'm on Jonathan's side right you know I'm I'm here to help him he's like just like whatever the last thing he says to her is he thinks that he's in love with you let him down easy or something to that effect he doesn't say you break of his heart I break your face right something like that so she's walking along in the university and Jonathan's behind a sign and says, hey, or something super charismatic like that. <laughs> hey, baby. She starts giving him the rundown, what's what. And then goes, that's two lies. Right. Don't don't let there be a third. And then she keeps pleading with him. All of a sudden, that Czech accent's gone. Right. I was just going to ask, did she already drop the, the accent? No, she right there. Right. And, and he says, wait, where's your... Where's your, you, and then we find out her name's not even Banachek. What's your name? What's your real name? Enough bullshit. What's your real name? Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl, Cheryl what? Brewster. Cheryl Brewster. Cheryl Where are you from, Brewster. Cheryl Brewster? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, of all places. Wow. Pittsburgh. Yeah, right? I mean, dude, just could you figure out a more American name from a more American city? Cheryl Brewster from Pittsburgh. I would have been like, that's line number three. That was just... That's let, line number three. Letting down the accent. Actually, was line number three. But you know what? Line number three would have been if she kept the accent. Right. So I guess you're right. So she dropped the accent. That's good, right. After the second one, she's like, oh. And then she drops it. Cheryl Brewster. Blah, blah, blah. Cheryl Brewster. So that's all part of line number two? Uh, well, no. He or didn't. line number two, she just comes clean and then there's no more lying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. better. That makes better sense. It does. The KGB shows up. Right. And this is where his skill set... This is where he turns into Liam Neeson he go, taken. He, he go, well, there's, even though they're pursuing him, he makes it to his classroom. Right. Where we saw that tranquilizer weapon. Tiger. Being yeah, used in the tiger. In the vet class. And he grabs that gun and grabs a whole a box of darts. bunch of darts. Yeah, man. And now instead of playing gotcha at paintball, he's playing gotcha. For real. With tiger knocking tiger blood. out. <laughs> tiger blood darts. With darts big enough to knock down an 800-pound cat. Pretty quickly, too, because when yeah. they shot that tiger in the class, I was like, wow. So now he's running around with Campus. all his KGB guys, shooting with the darts. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now he is, literally, he's like. The hunter has become the hunted. No, he, the hunted has become the hunter. They're on his stomping grounds now. They're in his world. Yeah, man. He knows this campus knows like the, the back camp, of his hand. Like the back of his hand. And he's even lucky enough a couple of times to sucker these dudes into the same locations where we saw him tagging people early yeah, in the man, movie. Totally. I think it's just because it was a setup thing, but I was going to say they shot all of it on one day, day one of the, uh, or day, or day 38. This goes on for a little bit until Vlad catches Sasha. Of course he does. And he approaches, you know, Jonathan's like, I'm kind of boned. I'm going to have to give it up. 
Well, what we see soon is one of the gotcha guys that Creeping. almost caught Jonathan the very beginning when Jonathan was without his weapon. We didn't mention that earlier, by the way, because if we would have, we would have been telegraphing the whole movie. Yes. He sees Jonathan. One of the things that's weird about the shot is that we see the wide, which yeah. is supposedly the POV of this kid. I'm like, does he not see the gun? Right. He doesn't in, see that the Vlad, Vlad is holding a gun on the <laughs> Cheryl Brewster from Pittsburgh. So, oh man, now's my chance to go shoot Jonathan. I'm going to get you back for escaping Mueller. I got, got you done. Boom. And he shoots him. The splatter of paint goes everywhere. It distracts everybody in slow motion. Vlad turns to shoot the person that's shooting at them. And Jonathan reaches down, gets the train gun, and shoots him right in the chest, and out he goes. I love that ending. But I was <laughs> part of me was like, "Oh God, dude! I hope he shoots Sasha in the chest with the dart. She drops, and the dude's distract, and then he puts a dart in his face. You know, kind of like the end of Forty Eight Hours." But honestly, and I couldn't remember because it had been a while. I couldn't remember if Vlad accidentally shoots Sasha. And no, I, me neither. I couldn't I, remember. I couldn't. Well, it's funny because I like. Had I couldn't, I didn't remember that the kid was going to shoot Jonathan. Like when the blood splattered, I was like, "Ooh!" And then I, you know, then I was like, yeah. "Oh, now!" But yes, like I thought the same thing. I thought she was shot, and we were going to have that moment where he's like, "Oh, but I, uh, I loved you, uh, Strudel." Strudel, you so, know, apple, raisin, walnuts, nuts. <laughs> Good times. The day is saved. They're loading a knocked out Vlad up onto a popping ambulance. on a stretcher, putting him in the ambulance. Cheryl and Jonathan are walking along, going, you know, what now? What now? Well, you know, your job's over. You can move on to the next guy. He's like, but I want all I can think about is being with you. And Jonathan's like, yeah, whatever. You've told me he's totally gone. You told cool me a guy. barrel lies now. <laughs> right? Why should I believe you? you? I don't even know you. I know you now. I don't love you anymore just because you de-weirdized me. Under false pretenses. All ends happily ever after with them. And he seems as though he's going to stay with Cheryl. We see him walking along right oh. afterwards. And there's that snotty sweater. Big hair girl. Yeah, man. You know, she's and, wearing a skirt now. Hey, how's that sweater? Right. And she's like, ah, you're such a dick. Or whatever she said. I forget exactly what she said. And something completely snotty, if probably not more snotty, when she said earlier. Right. And then she walks off. He's like, yeah, no. And instead of pulling out his gotcha paintball gun, he's got the drink. And he puts that dart in there. And he shoots her in the shoots ass. In and the it ass. kills the black. But they're going, oh, what? And then we goes about, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, it pauses on it. Gotcha. Right. Don't we get the, it's, a, it's, a, it's just free frames. Yeah. We've talked about some of the odd nature of some of these movies that we've been watching and how they just don't fit in this world now. Anybody pulling a gun on a campus right now, right now, it just, just, just isn't going to happen. But what I found interesting about it is how rapey that moment is. Just Dude, um, when he darts her? Yeah. Yeah, right, because we Are don't you, know what... We don't care about him shooting the spies. They're trying to kill him. All she did was just, like, shoot him down. Yeah, man, come on. Like, that was pretty rough, man. Right, so suddenly he turns into Jamie Gump. Yeah. <laughs> Tranking women on the college campus. That thing, we watched it put down an 800-pound cat. Dude. This, this girl weighs 98 pounds. Right, she's going to be out for a week. Yeah, he probably killed her. <laughs> Well, that was my thing. Is like he did, he probably killed Vlad. Like, when did Vlad wake? Vlad woke up like yeah, a, Vlad like, was still out. Three days later, like, where am I? Oh shit, she's not getting up. Right. He's looking around. <laughs> he just runs and he calls up Cheryl, and she's like, "You're on your own, homie. You are on your own." 
washes yeah. their hands of it. And you know, see, this is the, the, I think the moral of the whole story is you never forget your first time. <laughs> or it's an allegory for safe sex. I'm not sure which, man. It could be a lot of things. <laughs> the 80s, like they like to, you know, try to throw you messages. And I guess maybe I don't know what the message in this movie is. Well, you know, it's not say no to drugs because we don't get that until the end. Right. And we already know, like, no, no, this isn't no, this isn't a drug message movie. He's not on drugs. We know it's parents just don't understand. The only drug in this movie is tiger blood tranquilizer. <laughs> Makes the tigers feel so good. Um, you know, gotcha is like I said, I hadn't seen it in I don't know. I'm not going to say 30 years, but maybe 30 years. I mean, I remember it, I saw it originally, and then, you know, it was a movie I rented because, again, when you're 15, and Linda Fiorentino was, you know, she was super smoking hot then. Like, that was, like, the, my ideal as a teenage boy was, like, her, man. When she showed up in Vision Quest, that, After Hours, you know, in that leather bondage outfit, uh, you know, but then it was on cable, and then I think I probably hadn't seen it since, I want to say, maybe maybe it is 30 years. Like, I don't think I'd seen it certainly after the 80s, so maybe even, like, maybe 88, 89, maybe it's the last time I ever saw it. But it really holds up. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a fun, like I said, it, it, it works on the levels. It's light, you like the characters, and you feel for them as they go through this weird, um, you know, it's got a little more substance than I would have thought I was going to come away from it, seeing it as a grown-up. Right. Kicks of the week. Kicks of the week. Kicks of the week. My kick of the week. I'm actually going to do a movie this time. Can you believe this one? What? Mm, movie. Since we're talking about Miss Linda so much, the one that really broke out for me and really made me like uh, the continued love affair was The Last Seduction. Oh, yeah. It's and, a good one. Oh, yes. Everything that made you fall in love with her, it's magnified because now she's a real woman. Now she's 33, 34 years old at this oh, point. Yeah. Now, I'm really getting it now because at this point, I mean, it was 94, so I'm 25. I'm just about the age she was when she made Gotcha. And you got your super young Bill Pullman. Oh, right. And uh, Peter Berg. Very young Peter Berg in this, too. I don't want to give anything away about this movie because it is a fun movie to watch and just seek it out. It's pretty much available everywhere. It is something that feels very 90s, but her performance is such a standout in the movie. It just makes you wonder why she didn't do more. Right. I mean, yeah, it's one of those, uh, you know, she's like at her sultry best. You know, it's everything that we, it's everything from these other three movies times 10. Exactly. And because she is the focal point of the movie. And because she's the focal point of the movie, we see her a lot more. So you get to experience that sultriness, on, like you said, on a magnified level because we're not seeing her less. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> like, seeing her more. She's 100% <laughs> the lead of the movie. The Bill Pullmans and the Peter Bergs of the movie they are, they're the background characters. They're the, they're the Sasha Banachek's. That one's definitely check it out. I think it's streaming on most, I should mind be back on HBO go now. I'm not sure about that. I don't, it'd be helpful if I could actually look that shit up. Right. Right. Use the Oracle. I'm going to use the Oracle. The Oracle. Okay. Last seduction actually is available on prime right now for free. Oh yeah, man. Good. I mean, let me check that out. I haven't seen it in, in a bit. Uh, my kicks of the week would be, um, you know, 
the weather's nice outside, maybe get yourself outside. Maybe go out to Vasquez Rocks. Um, you you could uh, take your family, or you can go by yourself. Uh, it's a nice place to be out in nature. Um, you know, in it sort of ties in because uh, they shot almost every episode of the original Star Trek. Uh, anytime they were on a planet, man, they were at Vasquez Rocks. Um, it's out off of the 14, um, just outside LA. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey shot there. Um, it's been in the rocks. There's a formation of rocks. Um, they jut up out of the earth in a very bizarre configuration. Um, it's a really wonderful place to go. There's trails. Um, there's a big... Uh, center there. Um, in, in, it's interactive for your kids. Uh, just go out and get some nature. And, you know, you can take in a little movie. You know, you can pose for a photo like you were fighting the Gorn. It's fantastic. I think they shot the second Flintstones there. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of them. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they shot a piece from uh, Blazing Saddles maybe shot there. They uh, left buildups for the second Flintstones up there for a long... Actually, might have been the first one. I think it was the first one, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they've shot tons and tons of movies, lots of Westerns. I want to say that um, the, the Werewolf of London, the uh, Universal film, the, I've, uh, part of it shot there. It's super recognizable. I think it's where it's supposed to be Tibet. He goes, he finds the wolf bane. That's where we see the wolf bane. But, yeah, I mean, get out into the sun. You know, it's a great place to go. Take your family out, see some snakes, some hawks. They get, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's my kick of the week. If you don't live anywhere near Vasquez Rocks, just get out. Just get out. Do something. And if you want to check out Vasquez Rocks and then kind of see what it is, just go in online. There's some really cool stuff. Just go yeah. Google Maps, type in Vasquez Rocks, and you can kind of see some stuff overhead. Some of the older photographs I've seen through the satellite imagery would show the old dwellings and stuff from, yeah. from the Flintstones that were out there. That stuff's out there. I mean, there's, it, it's it's quite famous. I mean, uh, if you don't know why it's called Vasquez Rocks, Google it. It's a pretty fascinating story. It involves uh, bandits and stagecoach robberies and hidden gold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, that's it for us this week. We gotta go! See you guys next week in the garage. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at KaratePod, K-A-R-A-C-E-P-O-D. And if you really want to bug me individually, you can hit me up on Twitter at Corey Culp, C-O-R-U-I-C-U-L-P, or on Instagram at Culprit97. What about you, Fred? If you'd like to hit me up and leave me uh, hate mail or whatever, you can reach me at Love at Raven Shattuck on Twitter or Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram. Or mine, whatever. <laughs>